welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. Today, we are talking to Freya Morgan, who farms near Huntingdon on the Bedfordshire-Cambridgeshire border, and Joe Bell, agronomist with Agri. Reducing the farm carbon footprint, why is that important? Where do we start? What is right for your farm? What can we learn from others? And crucially, is there a benefit when it comes to crop productivity and the farm business? Freya, if I can come to you first, as a farmer, what does carbon footprint mean for you? A few years ago, we kept having all these new phrases introduced into our industry. Um, greenhouse gas emissions, carbon sequestration, um, net zero, and all those sorts of new buzzwords. Um, and we were sort of looking into them through the farm business review um, we decided that we had the opportunity to do a carbon audit assessment. And with this, this was giving us our baseline as to where we were with our carbon levels. Everybody kept talking about carbon levels, but nobody quite knew how to measure it, how to do it. There's umpteen different carbon measuring tools available to us, and none of them are very consistent as to how they um draw their information on how they produce the reports so we just decided that we'd draw baseline early on so before we started doing anything to improve and adjust our net zero or go towards our aim of net zero um so we knew what we were measuring from the word go Frere, you talk about having that baseline as a starting point from which to start to make changes Joe, as an advisor, how important is it to have that baseline to understand your existing carbon footprint? Yeah, I think um, uh, it's like anything. It's it's having that starting point. I mean, we're doing it with organic matters at the moment for SFI. It's having a starting point. Nobody's giving you a figure you've got to be at. Um, but looking at what's causing the issues and seeing if we can do anything about it. And Freya... Why is it important that we understand our carbon footprint to try to reduce that footprint and aim towards net zero? I think it's um, very important for farmers to take this on board because we can actually be part of the solution as well as being part of the problem. Um, I think we can't do everything, but there's a lot that we can do. I mean, carbon sequestration needs soil and land and woodlands and hedges and trees, and we have access to all of those particular objects and I think we can utilize those to help other industries as well but we still need to get our own house in order um, and through doing the actual carbon audit that we did do um, we're not the bad guys that we're all made out to be but there are some areas where we can make significant improvements if we've got the tools to do it. Yeah and what did you identify on your farm as being the sort of the areas where you could uh, have an influence and change? I mean, our biggest areas on our farm um, from the results that came through is fertiliser is a big um, percentage of our um, uh, carbon emissions. And I would imagine most arable farms would probably be in that same situation. Um, When we went through to analyse our report, we were told that was actually quite typical. Um, And then fuel was another one that we thought we could look at. And then you've got the other issue of crop residues. I'm not quite sure how we would deal with those. Um, So based on this report, we thought we'd actually look at the fertiliser issue and then look at our fuel usage. 
And Joe, when you are advising other farmers in reducing their carbon footprint, is fertiliser and fuel the prime focus? Yeah, I think I think that yeah, as Freya said, the fertilizer and fuel are probably the main ones that are going to cause issues. Um, fertilizer's been an issue for other reasons due to leaching nitrate problems for a long, long time. So it's something we've looked at for a long, a long time. Um, so this is just a continuation of that. So the the work's been ongoing for a very long time. And I assume those decisions on fertilizer choices are going to be not just on a farm by farm basis, but on a field by field basis. Absolutely. It's it's you know, you can't look over the neighbor's head and say, that's what he's doing. That's what I'm going to do. It's absolutely the wrong way to go. So every situation has got to be looked at almost every field, you know, digging holes, um, assessing the soil. The, the soil is the, is the muscle of farming, like our muscles in our body. And you've got to get that right to get the right output and profitably, you know, uh, uh, with all of this, farmers have got to make some money, you know, to, to continue to feed us. So. So, Freya, you mentioned that one of the key areas you're going to focus on is fertiliser. So what are you going to do differently? What are you going to try out and evaluate going forwards? Since having actually done the analysis with the um, net zero and the carbon offsetting, we've lucky enough to have um, a biogen plant not very far away from us, um, and they produce a lot of digestate. So we're putting digestate now on our ground where we're going to be putting winter or seed rape in in the autumn um, so we're utilizing that and um, because it is on our doorstep it makes it viable i think if you live too far away you obviously haven't got that opportunity and we've also made contact with anglin water they produce um biosolids they do travel quite a distance to put it onto farms you've got seven trent who are right on the border they don't quite come here so we're using um anglin water um, they actually produce 180,000 tonnes of biosolids each year that they've got to spread somewhere on farms or anyone that needs it. Um, and it is um, slightly cheaper, more sustainable. It helps to reduce our carbon footprint, has an impact on the environment. And it also contains phosphates, which we need here. Sulphur, which we actually need again. We've lost all the brick factories in Bedfordshire and we're having to put sulphur on our crops and magnesium, which we end, sort of end up putting on as trace elements. So that it's got all good bits in it that we need to um, help improve our crops. And it'll also help to improve our organic matter levels. We actually remove all our straw from the farm. Um, we just have such sort of large volumes of straw. We found it's easier to take it all off. It reduces our use of slug pellets. Um, so again, this will help improve our soil organic matter levels as well. Very interesting. And you mentioned the different materials you have access to, uh, whether it is the digestate or biosolids. Joe, those materials could be very variable, couldn't they, in terms of what they're bringing to the farm in terms of uh, nutrients and value. Um, I'm assuming that a thorough analysis of those materials is going to be really critical in terms of making those decisions on farm. Yes, I mean, they should be supplied with analysis. I presume they are, Freya. Um, and so we, we we have that information already, which is, which is you know which is good. Otherwise, we can get it analysed if we need to. Um, I find some people with the uh, with Seven Trent Water, um, for example, it doesn't arrive in time always for the oil seed rate, which is the ideal place for it to go. So that's a bit of a shame. Um, so sometimes we have to rejig things. And Freya, how are you finding working with the suppliers of these materials in terms of accessing the materials on time and at the right quality? 
we've actually found working with angling water very efficient. Um, their representative comes and sees us in the autumn prior to when we're going to need it. Um, she takes a list of the fields that we want to put it onto. Um, they do two different tips. Um, basically, the price at the moment is um, nine per, pounds per ton um, to sort of supply it and spread it, or eight pounds per ton if we can store it. So if we stored it, they do a winter tip, which is September to February. So you've got the product on site for when you need it after that harvest. And the summer tip is from April through to June. So we've found this year that we have had product when we've wanted it. And as soon as we've harvested the crops, um, we've let them know and they've come and spread, spread the um, biosolids for us. So we're quite happy with the service that we've got at the moment. Thanks, Freya. And Joe, what is the agronomic benefits of these materials on farm? Um, well, organic, a little bit of organic matter to a certain extent, but probably the main one is the phosphate. Um, you know, all plants need that for establishment, so it's very important to have it there early on. And again, if you're improving the health of the soil with everything that the digestate gives it, you're helping your nitrogen uptake, you're helping your plant to utilise the, you know, the other nutrition we give it. Um, so it's getting the small nutrition right and therefore that's going to help profitability uh, and also help reduce the amount of bag nitrogen we're putting on which is is got to be the thing we look at i mean luckily you know last year when it was so expensive it did make people look at it a little bit more um and again we've got a lot of work going back probably 20 years um on nitrogen usage that we could pull back on um from so longer particularly um to uh, to help you know see how we could reduce the, the nitrogen when it was so expensive. Are you looking for a new career? Agri have a range of positions available from a marketing lead to crop input specialist. Visit agri.co.uk forward slash agri careers and grow with us. Freya, what are the limitations, if there are any, in the use of these materials? But in the first year of actually using the biosolids, we're actually limited to a certain tonnage. Um, and I think they just see how it works for us and how it works for them. Um, and then after that, hopefully we'll be allowed to have a bit more. Um, but it's just, it's managing it field by field basis. It's not just a, a blanket thing. Um, and I think it'd be wrong to do it that way. It's, it's looking at your industries and yeah, utilizing all the tools you've got available to make sure you're optimizing your inputs. Sure, and, and I sense we're talking more about the biosolids here. What about the digestate that you also spoke about? Um, with the digestate, because it is a locally sourced product, um, we try and place that sort of um, in the set area. So we tend to use that on our winter oil seed rape to give get that sort of going, give that a good establishment, give it a bit of nitrogen. Um, last year, we didn't put any winter oil seed rape in, but we did put the digestate on, but we're just sort of monitoring where we put that as well it's obviously it's not a cheap product but we're utilizing it to help get crops growing and an alternative form of fertilizer sure and joe you know understanding these materials and what they can offer what do you see is that difference between the digestate that uh, freya's talking about and the biosolids uh well it'll go down to the analysis really um they they supply similar elements and you know, as Freya said, it's it's working from your analysis where it's going to where it's going to be best used. Um, exactly right, looking at the the rotation over your farm over whatever it is five or six years as a whole, 
and um, seeing where it, where it fits. And you know, as indices start to get up to that sort of two plus, we you know phosphate will have a little bit of a break put on it. Um, but that's a situation where we have a spray on product called Release, which is a, a phosphorus releasing agent. Um, so that when you get to start those high levels where you aren't allowed to apply phosphate anymore, um, we can spray that on and that will release the phosphate that is held and locked into the soil. That's quite a useful tool as we get to these higher levels. And you don't have to be at a higher level. It can be at a, a normal level and, and still utilise it if you're trying to reduce bagged fertiliser again. But obviously by what Freya's doing, she's, she's um, you know, not using so much bagged fertiliser on, on the P and K probably. Um, nitrogen will be a different different story. And Freya, what proportion of your arable land do you think you could be using these materials on in, say, two to three years' time? I think probably on a rotational basis, we'll probably be using it on a, a fifth, a quarter or a fifth of our land, um, using the mixture of both products. And it also depends on availability um, because there's not an infinite amount of these products. And then the more people get used to using them, there'll be higher demand for them. So it's, it's yeah, we've got to utilise what we can and make sure we can get hold of the products. And Freya, what do you think will be the impact on your carbon footprint as a result of making these changes in your fertiliser regime? Um, so the fertiliser on the pie chart for our carbon emissions um, results was actually probably about... 70% um, so that's a big big chunk that we're looking to alter so hopefully in the next couple of years we'll have a, a new carbon audit done to see what difference this is actually making um, but it's I need to make sure I work on all the other bits as well but also I mean if you can increase your yields um, you also help to reduce your your um, carbon footprint as well so it, it's looking at everything together. It's not looking at things in isolation. It's working everything together. But because the fertilizer was such a significant part of our greenhouse gas emissions, that was the easiest one to look at and see what difference we can make. I think it's going to be really hard to get to net zero because we need to use organic and inorganic fertilizers. Um, but obviously, Maybe we look at how stuff's produced further up the line. I mean, a lot of the carbon calculator uses what's actually happening here and now. Um, but do we look at how our fertilizer produced by the manufacturing companies? And it could be a whole line. It could get very complicated. Um, but at the moment, we're just looking at the simplistic version of it. And, and Joe, you mentioned how important it is for a farm to be profitable as we go through these changes. Can the changes that Freya's talking about there also have that benefit of actually improving our, not just farm profitability, but our sustainability as well? Absolutely, because what, what Freya's looking at doing is is, is fine-tuning, and um, particularly the biosolids and things she's using is helping that soil health and the soil nutrition, and, and that's certainly I could foresee she could probably therefore reduce nitrogen rates without losing yield. I mean, the work at longer we did and looked back on when we had the high nitrogen prices was, you know, putting a bit of extra phosphate and, and potash on, fine tuning that meant we could drop the nitrogen by about 50 kilos a hectare. So it sounds to me that not only are we reducing our carbon footprint, but also those additional benefits of improving soil health is going to help crop productivity. Fred, do you see it that way as well? 
Yes, I do, because by using these um, products, we're looking at increasing or helping to increase organic matter. I know that's a, a long, slow process, but it's you're increasing soil organic matter, hopefully increasing and um, improving the soil itself using it as a soil conditioner and hopefully improving the insect life within the soil. I mean, we struggle with growing cover crops here. Um, we're the third driest area in the country. We don't get the rainfall and we find it really hard to establish small seeds, um, whether it be all seed rape or cover crops. So I'm looking at these um, biosolids and digestators, other um, tools to help improve my soil. And Fred, I know another area that you're focusing on in terms of reducing your carbon footprint is that of fuel consumption of your farm machinery. Tell us more. Um, we're all John Deere tractors and combines and stuff. So we actually use the um, John Deere link, which is a John Deere app. And on that, I can monitor all tractors and machinery of the output, fuel usage per hour, idling times, um, just everything, all the engine management on the tractors. So we've got the information there and it's just utilising the information that we're collecting with all this data that comes in from my John Deere apps and all the soil analysis doing variable rates. And there's a lot of information out there and it's just really utilising and having time to sit down and manage it. And Freya, what advice would you like to share with other growers and farmers who are listening today who are also looking to reduce their carbon footprint? I think you shouldn't be scared of it. Um, I think it'd be quite difficult to, for us to actually get to near net zero, but I'm going to do my best to get as close as I can for my farm business. As Joe said, your business has got to be profitable. Food is the most important thing that we actually produce alongside with the environment. The two can work together. Um, just talk to people, talk to your agronomist, go to meetings, read the media. Communication, it's all key. Don't be scared of it. Just talk to people, see how they're getting on. Um, there's funding out there to have like the carbon audits done. Just get it done. It's You know what your baseline is and then you can see what you've got to look to work at and ask for help from people. Talk to your neighbours. We're, we're all in this together and I think that's the important thing. And Joe, as an agronomist and advisor, what advice would you like to share with those listening today? First and foremost, look at what you're working with, look at what you've got. You can't change that. So assess the soils. Um, we can come out and help have a dig around and see what's needed and, and decide on the best practice to get your soil set up right before you start. And then we can probably start reducing inputs. And also the new SFI rules, which are about to start, I think are a lot more lenient. And again, we can help on that. I think there's quite a few things in there that we can utilise, get get paid for, um, that, that will help um, what we're doing out on farm. Thank you, Freya and Joe, for sharing your experience and advice for reducing the farm carbon footprint. That's it for this podcast, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season, exploring the many immediate and longer-term questions for growers and farmers in the UK. If you have any questions that you'd like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.